Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com or also on BitChute and YouTube. You'll find the links in the podcast description. I'm also a podcasting coach because I've got five podcasts, four in the top half percent, and you'll find them all on rycon.com. Today, my guest, all the way in Melbourne, Australia. Please welcome Mary Henderson. Hi, Roy. Nice to be here. Nice to see you. So you might let the audience know. Who's Mary? Oh, well, well, as you said, I live in Melbourne in Australia um, and I um, have a business uh, which helps uh, predominantly industry experts uh, and I help them uh, commercialise their knowledge, wisdom and skills into a business and a brand. Very nice, very nice. So I've seen a lot of the different things that you're doing, which I will touch on, but I'd like to know, what was Mary like as a child? What was her speaking journey? Oh my God. Okay. So this is going to really, really be interesting. Um, so I, my voice is professionally trained since the age of five till about 18. So, you know, so I always thought I was going to be a singer. This is all I did my whole childhood, seeing, performing arts, dancing, all that sort of things, all I was interested in until I got to about 16 when, you know, we had to decide, you know, at being at secondary school, you know, what is the trajectory of your, your career, so to speak. So we had to sort of choose the path academically. And for me, it was like, I don't need to go to university. I'm just going to go to the, uh, the performing college of arts. Like that, that, as far as I'm concerned, that's where I, there's no, there's nothing else for me. And there never was in my mind. That was it. Until I came home, um, my parents who were both European and migrants, they were like, did you think that we came to this country with one suitcase and you you know and you're going to be a all these years five jobs you know to give our children education and my daughter's going to be on a stage singing that's not going to happen and so I gave my career up as a singer and um yeah so that was the childhood dream and I did a lot of it that's what my childhood was like quite literally um until my 20s when things were a bit south you know it was like yeah I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of my life and did you go back to singing as a hobby? Did you love, love I it? Did. I actually did. I went back, you know, in my, so in my early 20s, I sort of went back to pursue it. But, you know, I realized a couple of things in my 20s that, you know, even though um, I love to sing and that's my talent, that wasn't my gift. My gift actually is my voice. And from, from my standpoint, I came to realize more in my later 20s that, hang on a minute, I've got this amazing gift, which is my voice. I've channeled it all these years through singing, but I can also channel it and do something else. You know, as long as I use my voice every day with the ability to self-express, I'm going to be pretty, pretty happy. And, um, and I, and I, and I sort of filtered that through my career, you know, in my early, late twenties, sort of early thirties, but it wasn't until I was in my late thirties where I started to, you know, I started to get really restless, you know, with what I'm not living my true self. And the thing that I, that I've been gifted with is not being expressed on a day-to-day -day basis. And regarding the branding then, because like, if we look at, say, the company and the person, what's your advice yeah. on that? Should you be the person is more important or what way should people be looking at it? They, they, the, a corporate brand and a personal brand, which is very interesting, have exactly the same attributes. Um, the only difference is, is that the different, different order of importance and the drivers. So the drivers are very different, Roy. Um, a personal brand is a human. 
and a corporate brand is a uh, it, it, it's a non tangible it's it's subjective because it's not a human being you can't kind of you know there's no emotion to it so to speak. Um, the, the emotion is created through the story and the, 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 um, all of the elements that are created from a communication standpoint. But a personal brand is very different because you're dealing with someone with a heart. So, so a personal brand is 100% driven by their mission and their legacy. So there is a vast difference from that standpoint. The attributes, creating your branding architecture, that's pretty much similar. But in terms of you as a brand, a human being, what is it really? It's you, the human, who is the business. So people are buying from you because you stand for something. You're a specialist in something. You're an expert in something and you've become the go-to person. So that's, that's, that's the differentiator, if you will. And when you've got you, the person, kind of representing what you're doing, let's say it's coaching, let's say, or speaking, and... Yeah. Like, as you see people, they'll set up the speak, the, the Instagram and they'll set up the different things. And then there's other people, they're like kind of showing you their family and all that stuff. What's, which, which one do you think works better? Well, the thing is that I don't think that any, either or. What I say is <clears throat> you have to put all of your content in context. So, for example, if I'm targeting industry experts, most industry experts are pretty serious about their business. You know, yes, they like to have fun and laugh, of course. But if I'm going to start posting about my dog and my, my children and this and that, most of my target audience aren't really going to be interested in that. However, you know, if I was targeting parents because I, my services were targeting children and parents, that context would be perfect for that. So, so it's got, you have to, so, it, so everything requires context. Once we understand that, you know, we can, we can create an entire strategy around that. But that's, that to me is a fundamental epicenter of, you know, being seen and being heard as a brand. Like I've, I've looked at your website, your, your website's very impressive. And you've got this beautiful little wheel that's broken into four little yes. circles. You might talk to us about that. That's my methodology. So that wheel, whilst it looks quite simplistic, there's over 40,000 hours of my, you know, knowledge, wisdom and skill set packed into that circle. And essentially what it is, is it's taking a, an individual on a journey from somebody coming to me and saying, hey, Mary, I've got 20 years of experience in this industry and I've got this, but I don't know how to unpack that and convert that knowledge wisdom and skill set into a solution that can solve a problem so that's my genius zone so i look at that i look at the individual we unpack all of that look at organize all of the data and we start with looking at the foundational piece which essentially is the branding who are you as a brand what do you stand for what are your values uh, what are your core competencies and what problem can you solve? Who, what industry needs this problem solved? So we look at that from more of a holistic and a macro standpoint, making sure that everything that we unpack at that foundational level is then 100% congruent with the next part, which is the systemization. And the systemization for me is critical because when you, because there's a vast difference between building a system and creating, say, a course, two different things. A system must allow for input, output, and a feedback loop. And it's and that those three aspects are very, very, very much based on an engineering mindset. So 
So when I'm looking at the systemization, what am I looking at? I'm looking at how do I systemize this person's knowledge, wisdom, and skill set into a solution that can absolutely solve a complex problem, serve a very targeted audience, and be able to uh, charge premium pricing. So that's in the systemization component. Then we move into part three, which essentially is the digitalization. So how do we build digital assets that provide the public facing uh, individuals, prospects, fans, followers, potential clients, partners, etc. How do we uh, how do we give the public facing arena an ecstatic brand experience? How can I get you, Roy, to touch my brand and experience what it's like to work with Mary or talk to Mary or interview Mary? You know what 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 is she really all about? I need to be able to, to deliver that on that front facing. So those digital assets are fundamental to my success as a brand because those digital assets, what they do is they create ecstatic brand experiences. That should be the ultimate goal. And if we can't provide ecstatic brand experiences, what happens is that we don't leave memories behind. We're not, we don't have a signature to who we are as a brand. So you're never top of mind. That's the goal. And the final part, is the lead generation. And this is the commercialization. So how do we actually wrap an, a layered lead generation strategy so that I can pull towards me the audience that I want to start a conversation with? How can I create, create layers around my brand presence so that my target audience sees me as omnipresent? So I'm focused solely and wholly on being in front of one target audience, I know where they are on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, podcasts, keynotes, I know where they all hang out. And my job as a brand is to make sure that I'm in front of those people so that they see me everywhere in their eyes. And that's that circle. So it starts with branding, it ends with commercialization. And most people, Roy, have those two the opposite way. So, you know, when you see people, I'm struggling, I'm not making my business, my business is not working. Usually they're starting with lead generation first and then they go to branding. And really it needs to be the other way around. And with getting the leads, because I know I've with various, I've had lots of businesses over the years. And like yeah. what I've noticed is like with paid adverts with Facebook, then they start your organic growth just disappears because they want you to keep paying. I know that Google does the exact same. They're two sneaky companies that are doing that. They've been caught doing it. So it's not, you know, I'm, that, yeah. that's a fact. So like, yeah. w w what's the best way? Because sometimes you kind of have to pay for the leads, but trying to find them in the right place. Or do you think it's it's more try to do it as organic as possible? Well, I do it as, as, as organic as much as I possibly can, to be perfectly frank. And I've had incredible success out of that. But it is a slow game, okay? It's not like I was expecting to get success overnight. I purposefully made a conscious decision that this is going to be a long game for me because what, what is the difference? Well, there is a big difference. When you're advertising, though you're actually buying leads. When you're creating organic uh, content, you're building relationships and long-term relationships because if I have a look at my, um, my leads, for example, in my um, email system, I can tell you that there are people that, that followed me from, I don't know, four or five years ago who have now become my clients. You know, so it's a longer game. And 
I think that we need, and I personally, I think we're going back to that. I really do believe that we're going to go back to organic uh, lead generation. You know, have a look at Twitter, for example. You know, when they're exposing Twitter and saying, hey, that over 20% of the, you know, profiles on Twitter potentially are bots. That's interesting. You know, so we would be looking at that as advertisers and I'd be like, well, hang on a minute. I don't want to spend my money on advertising if I'm actually showing my ad to a bot. Well, how does that serve me? So I think that building organic um, reach is not for the faint-hearted because that's it's a long-term game. You are building real relationships with real human beings where you can start real engagement, you know, and start to build the pipeline with people who genuinely are interested in what it is that you do. So that so I do believe that organic is coming back in a big way, but it is a longer game. It's like with all the different social media platforms, but I've noticed because I've tried a lot and now you've got Rumble and you've got so many different ones. And I've noticed that some of them, you just put up a video and it's straight away it's 10. You know that that's impossible. You know, like, so it, it, there's no point in being there. Whereas I, I, I believe what you've just said, that you, you build it slowly but organically and just keep engaging. I think that's the most important thing. Some people forget to do that or they don't want to do that. And even if you don't like it, that you have somebody that's doing it. You have to comment. If somebody says, really enjoyed that episode, you have to say thanks for watching or whatever. And like, because they appreciate that and they'll subscribe and then they'll just, it, it just builds slowly. But I, I think anyone that I've talked to that kind of eventually does well in it, whether it's YouTuber, it's a, you're in it for the long haul because you're, you're competing with the likes of Jay Shetty and all these different people. They've got massive teams, massive budgets behind them and you can buy so many subscribers that you can make it look like you've got a million does he have a million or 10 million say 10 million hey, yeah. so that could be bought nobody knows you know and well, the reality is not to be beating yourself up when you're looking at other people well i look at instagram all the time and i look at people that i would consider my competitors or people that call themselves influencers i'm generally inter interested in human behavior but when i see someone have half a million followers supposedly and they have a post or they're posting and that post gets i don't know 500 or 1000 likes but five comments with emojis that's a red flag for me. And typically when you go into their followers, you can see they've got zero, zero, zero followers. Those people that are following those influencers have got zero, zero followers or zero content. So one would ask themselves, what, who in their right mind could be bothered with that? Like what sort of an individual would actually go out into the world and say, I've got half a million followers, but my followers are bots pretending that they're not bought. The other thing is, Roy, is that we're in an instant gratification society. So people are lazy. They haven't got the patience and the time. And you know what? And I really mean this wholeheartedly. If we want to be successful, really successful, we have to care about the very thing that we want to create, like care, not, not wanted or set intentions or any of that's affirmations. Just push that aside for the moment. But we have to genuinely care, like deeply and completely to the point, like, for example, I look at, you know, how a parent cares for a child. OK, just look at that scenario. When I look at my children, I care deeply like here. I would do anything for them. That's how we need to be if we want to grow our business, even our social media profile. We have to care about it to that depth and that breadth in order for it to manifest and for it to bloom and for it to have 
you know, to be able to create an outcome that is grounded and meaningful and deep and soulful and it's connected with other human beings. People don't want that. They want instant gratification. Quick, quick, now, now, look at me, look at me, I'm important. And that will die though. That will die. I think people are waking up to that. I mean, the reality is if you were starting something new, like to get 100 true fans is way better than having 100,000 shown on your thing. Because that 100 true fans will go through the journey with you. And as you said, some people, it takes five years. I mean, I, I've done the same in real estate. I was doing real estate for years and I had a newsletter. And it was people that bought about three years later. Like they just said, I've been looking at your things and I just, yeah. And, and you were always coming to the top of my mind. And, you know, my fin finances just came into place. And, and that's what you want, you know, because, yeah, unfortunately, everybody was like, no, 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 no. I want, you know, a million and everything. So that's right. I, I've looked at uh, your, your your LinkedIn uh, profile and I, I think for what you're doing, obviously LinkedIn is obviously the best social media of all of them for, for I don't know, is it something like 80 something, you've 82,000 done. 82,000, yeah. Yeah, which is incredible. And it looks, it looks very professional. It looks yeah. lovely. So as I was looking through it, I saw that you've got a magazine. So I, I thought, first of all, that it was um, as a paper magazine, but it's a digital one. And then I was expecting something like a four page because people say they've got... It looks no. extremely professional. I didn't get a chance to read, but I flicked through it and I was looking at the titles and it looks extremely professional. Like, and I subscribed to it now as well because I was like, oh, that's a nice, you know, because you have decent topics and it looks really well. Thank you, Roy. And you know what? That's actually a really great example for me to share with exactly an extension of what we're talking about. Now, that magazine, I started the idea as just a post on LinkedIn, like a front cover with like three or four pages as a content idea. Three years ago, three years ago, I started that. And then three pages became five, became 10, became 15, became 20. All of a sudden, Roy, I've got this full-on magazine and a production because people started calling the magazine the Forbes of LinkedIn. It was outrageous. And so I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do this every week. I need to make this a monthly magazine. And still thinking it's just going to be, you know, just a fly-by-night. It'll, you know, people, it'll die off after a while. I'll just keep it going after a while. But then I started getting people messaging me. I'd love to contribute to the magazine. How can I write for your magazine? I'm like, is this, this is crazy. And so, um, so you know what? We talk about branding, okay? I want to give this, uh, this example because it's a perfect example. The magazine is absolutely gorgeous. It's about 100 pages every month. It's, it's quite, it's decent. Well, it's um, very, very professional. Amazing. It, there's about 10, 15, uh, 10, 12 uh, content contributors, and we write content specifically targeting industry experts. The magazine is only targeted for industry experts. Now, if you have a look at the magazine, there is nothing, nothing at all in the magazine about me. Zero. The only thing that you'll see that I will write is the editor's piece at the front, you know, right at the front, just, you know, introducing the, 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 the magazine and the topic of the month. That's basically all I do. It's like eight, six paragraphs. And the last page where they can find their masterclasses. But that's, it's, what I'm saying is it's, it's not about me on the front cover. It's not about my story, nothing, zero. But Roy, it's everything about me. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's so subtle, but it's everything about me because, you know, you know, I'm the founder and the creator and the editor in chief. Let's just call it for just, just give, just to create a title in a magazine, editor in chief of the authority 5.0 magazine. That 
gives me the currency. It gives me the authority. It makes people go, okay, well, this person's, you know, in the personal branding space. That's a that's serious branding, okay? It's not just making it up fly by night. So you can see the consistency and the congruency. I spoke about the wheel and I said, you've got to be consistent and congruent. The brand and, the, and your solution have to match. Otherwise, there's a disconnect. So when you do come on my, on my profile, whether it's my website or LinkedIn, it looks the same. You know you're in the right place. You know that there's, there, there, there's a consistency there. You look at the magazine, as you said, oh, maybe there's only four pages. A hundred pages later, you're like, whoa, this is full on. So that's so, so when we talk about branding, these are the context, branding, consistency, congruency. These are key words associated with uh, creating a powerful brand presence. And just on the LinkedIn as well, because like say Twitter, I, I find Twitter strange. I mean, we mentioned 20% yeah. of bots, I'd say it could even be more, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, and it, it's a platform that was based on negativity. So if the more negative you are, the more it grows. I think, yeah. like, I know you're on it. I'm, I think I just do it because it's an easy button to press. Do I get, I might find somebody on it who then comes to the platforms that I like. But what I've noticed is with your LinkedIn there's a load of engagement and you know, others like 100 to 200 comments are, and that's not something that bots do on LinkedIn is a kind of, it's very professional. Well, the thing is, Roy, I'm really glad you raised that because the thing is that LinkedIn, that LinkedIn's actually quite a different platform. And one of the things I love about LinkedIn is they reward you, you know, based on your commentary. So if I comment, awesome, Roy, with an emoji, that's not going to give me a lot of brownie points as far as the algorithm is concerned. But now if you posted and I wrote like a paragraph of like meaningful content, the algorithm says, oh, this person's like really engaged. Mary's really engaging in, in Roy's post. Let's show Roy Mary's post next time she posts. So it's a reciprocation platform. It's amazing. So what happens is on LinkedIn, you know, you get 30,000 connections and I handpick those connections. That's the difference. I don't just go, yeah, I'm open for, you know, for, 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 I'm for sale. No, you know, I'm, I handpick specifically who I want as part of my network, because I know that those people that I'm going to connect with, they'll like what I bring to the table. They like my content. You saw for yourself, all of the, the, the all my posts have high engagement and, and, you know, and the magazine in, 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 in some, some days, if I, you know, if, when we launch it, which is on the first uh, uh, Thursday of, of each month, um, that magazine may get 100,000 views in 24 hours. Wow, that's incredible. That's just crazy, right? Yeah. And, and, and Roy, on top of that, the open rate of the magazine when I, when I email it out is 89%, Roy, open rate. Come on. So, so what I'm trying to say is, to your point, I'm validating what you're saying is that when you choose wisely, you're going to get people that know, love and buy from you. With the magazine, because that's a job in itself. Some people, their total job for that, like you're doing a lot of things, you know, you're speaking and you're coaching as well. Like how much time are you actually having? I, you said you've got other people that give you articles, but it's obviously a lot of time that's required to, especially the way that it's put together. It is very high caliber. I have a team for the magazine. So I have got a, just a one person that just 100% just focuses on the magazine. That's all he does, nothing else, just the magazine. 
um, like the content contributors provide the articles. And so to be honest with you, Roy, I really don't do much with the magazine except, you know, post it on LinkedIn, write my little piece at the front. And um, that's actually basically it. Like it, the whole thing is systemized so beautifully that it works like a clockwork. Like I, it's, and I'm a systems person, so of course I'm going to systemize it. But it doesn't, it seems like a lot of work. But I think that one of my key strengths is building systems and I've systemized as much as I can in every aspect of my business. But the magazine is one person who is a designer who solely just looks after that. And that's very clever because a lot of times people, they take on people and they get them to do 50 different things and nothing is done right. To have somebody, that's your sole thing. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that makes more, so much sense. That's exactly, that's my whole team is like that. They're only responsible for one thing only. You know, I've got a social media manager. All she does is just manages my Facebook and Instagram. That's it, nothing else. There's just those two things. And she cannot, doesn't touch LinkedIn, nothing. Just those two things. And I, find, I have found that when, they, when you create focus and your focus and their focus, you get the result. And with, with the coaching then, do you have somebody that organizes all the scheduling for that or does that come? Yes. So, so the, again, that's fairly systemized, but I have a team that manages all of the moving parts for the client. So there's, there's, I've got three team members and myself, and we basically work very closely together for the deliverables. I'm, I'm just curious because, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm starting off as the podcasting coach myself, but I've always interviewed loads of people that are coaching. And I see like some people do 15 minutes, some people do 30. I see you do 45 as a kind of, and just yeah. curious, is that something that you kind of, that's evolved and you found that you get a better conversion rate with that? Or what, what's the reasoning behind to give so much time? With? You know, Roy, here's my theory. Okay. I never wanted to, I, I've had, like you, We've had lots of coaches and mentors in our lifetime, okay? And I've had a lot of coaches that are absolutely so bad in the engagement part, in the giving. They People say, I'll oh, give, 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 but honestly, a lot of people don't give. I'm not saying that I'm a saint here, okay, by any means. What I'm saying is that I never wanted to be that coach that, you know, um, that is not available because in the work that I do, my clients need a lot of hand-holding. So something that could take them two weeks to solve takes me one minute, five minutes, okay? And so I'm very accessible. And I'm so glad I did that because my business is booming, okay? Because my clients have become my advocates. You know, I love it when people say, oh my God, her support is unbelievable. She's there 24-7, That's exactly who I am. Now, going back to that 45-minute strategy call, the strategy call for me, has to be a value to you, Roy. So if you're going to come on my strategy call, we're not just going to have a conversation like, hey, Roy, how are you doing? You tell me a little bit about you. That's good. That's a waste of time for you, Roy. You can do that yourself. Okay. You're mature. You're a very smart person. I don't need to patronize people. That's just not my nature. I like to give value to people. You, you're, you've booked a call with me because you believe that I have the expertise to help you solve a problem. You're curious. You're looking around. You're not quite sure what you want. My job is to make yourself realize at the end of that call what you need or what you don't need. That's my whole theory. So I actually do go through a whole process. And, um, and what happens is that you end up getting leaving with something tangible that you can review and or implement. That's the difference. So I want you 
to have an ecstatic Mary Henderson brand experience when you're on that call. So 45 minutes sounds like a lot, but it's actually not in, in what I deliver. And just on, because I, I totally agree with the way you do things and you kind of accommodate other people as well, because that, that's my plan. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not kind of, I'm doing it outside the box. Most people don't do that because I know some people take a month to do one thing and it's just overwhelming, whereas others want to just go boom, boom, boom. And to be adjustable for that but like i had because uh, i'm just constantly trying to sharpen this all with with the coaching side of things the podcasting always trying to improve systemize everything and i had bought one course and basically they were saying oh there's a coaching call included there's no you know no pressure to do additional stuff you get an hour we'll give you loads of t-. so i had a load of questions written down and everything and you know, i was really thinking and it was like, I think nine minutes, I recorded the call and it was kind of like, yeah, are you ready to invest 30,000 in this? No. And it was like, yeah, good luck. And this is a massive, a massive guy. He's big, this guy. And I just thought that is so slimy. And I see, like, I, I watch how some of them do it. They, they organize a lot of calls and they're getting in people and they're, by the way, giving them this free, this free. And then they just want to get them onto that call. And some, they use kind of NLP and everything. And they're kind of like, if you're not willing to invest in yourself, I mean, I'm so used to that. You know, I just laugh when I see it, but it is sad how many people use dirty tricks. And I think by just being straight and honest, people get it. And when people are happy, they'll tell their friends. And that's how it just keeps growing. You know what, Roy? I think that that model is dying. I really do. And because the thing is that for me, if I'm going to take on somebody because I have to use 22 scripts to make them believe that there's something wrong with them and use scarcity tactics like the digital marketers do, let me tell you what that that results in me attracting the client from hell. That does not, I have not attracted the person that says, I choose you, Mary. I choose you out of all of the 20 people, I choose you. Instead, I'm saying you have to choose me. Otherwise, you're, uh, because all these things that I've told you, it means that you're this, 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 all these labels and they're all negative connotations, which are mostly not true. But if that person doesn't choose me, I'm not building a tribe. Roy, I'm not building brand advocates. My ultimate goal when I'm working with people or when you book a strategy call with me, I'm looking at the end of the day for you to become my brand advocate. That's it. That's my ultimate goal, not the sale. I want you to be my brand advocate so that you leave and you go, oh, my God, that was the most amazing session I've ever had. That's what I want you to leave with. And the same with my clients when they finish working with me. I want them to say this was just life changing. That's what I want them to say. Not you made me do it. You know, you know, you, you, you. No, no, no. They're not my tribe. And I don't operate like that. And that's the difference. And because uh, I've helped, I mean, my plan was I was I was helping loads of people anyway with podcasts. So I, I created kind of modules and took them through it. Now charge them, but just basically. And the satisfaction of seeing somebody becoming successful is amazing. Like it's, it's not about the money. I mean, obviously, you know, you have to be paid for your time and everything. But there's a there's a, a great value when you are connected and you genuinely want to help people. Well, this is why personal brands are driven by mission, aren't they? If you have got, if you haven't got a mission, then you're just it's a, you've just bought yourself a job. When you love what you do and you can articulate what you do with ease and grace, 
that's a mission. That's you on a mission because you genuinely are helping people. There's no doubt about that. That's the whole idea of, of, of you know, creating a podcast is to give you a voice on a topic that you're very passionate about. That to me is just, you know, is the greatest gift that humanity has ever been given because we now have, you know, even though we say we may not have freedom and choice, let's look at the podcasting and see the opportunities that that has been able to give us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, Mary, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. You might let people know how they can find you. Please, any anyone that wants to connect with me, you can email me on Mary at MaryHendersonCoaching.com. My email, MaryHendersonCoaching.com. LinkedIn, Mary Henderson Coaching. Same on Facebook, Mary Henderson Coaching. And of course, on Instagram, Mary Henderson Coaching as well. Yeah, I'll make sure I put the links both on the audio and the video. Thank you very much, Mary. Thank you, Roy. Thank you. So make sure that you uh, subscribe to our uh, our magazine because it, uh, it's very good. And I, I'd like to hear your comments on what you think about it. So be sure to give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, subscribe, all helps. Until next week, take care.